welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening session of Sunday the 8th of February 2009, entitled, Make Merry and Be Glad, and the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Let me invite you just to remain standing if you would. If you've got your Bibles and would like to open them for our scripture reading this evening, I really, I'm sure you like me, you have these conversations with God back and forth sometimes, and I know that when the Lord laid this particular passage upon my heart for this evening, it was one of those times that I said, are you sure, Lord, this is a baptismal service? But as I read through it several times and came back, I began to realize, and I've put this verse that's been up on the screen tonight, sort of the theme thought, if you would, for we look to God's Word tonight. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. The Gospel of Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. He would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said unto him, Thy brother is come. Thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him, 
He answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Father, I thank you again this evening. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for this time that we can have in your house. But I want to thank you especially this evening for Andrew and the work that you've been doing in his life. I thank you for each person that you have brought along that had a small part, a word of encouragement, a small seed that was planted here and there. But I thank you for your grace and your patience and your love. And Lord, I thank you that even as he has testified here this evening, we know that there will be battles ahead of him. We know that there will be valleys to go through. But Father, I pray that you would keep, help him keep his eyes upon you. The great strong let us turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his mercy and grace. Father, I thank you this evening. I thank you that as we look into your word that we can have the confidence that your Holy Spirit is here that not because we deserve it, but, Lord, because that we stand in such great need that you will take and speak to our hearts through thy word. Father, this we ask for this evening. You know each individual that is here. You know the hearts of each individual. You know the needs of each individual. And, Father, we realize full well that we have nothing to meet those needs this evening, but we pray that you would, Lord. We pray that you would meet the needs of each and every heart, that as you speak, Lord, that whatever it is and however that we need to respond, that we would have the strength, the grace, the faith to be able to do so. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. This is indeed a familiar passage in, in God's Word. It's one that... Most of us learn early in life if we are attending church and Sunday schools. It's certainly a passage that most preachers, if they have preached at any length of time, that they have come to this at some time. It is interesting that the portion of Scripture that we've just read, that most of the time it's referred to as the passage of the prodigal son. But it's amazing how that I've heard wonderful messages preached when I guess probably more times than not, it was speaking of someone that knew the Lord Jesus Christ, but that had turned their back and gone away. They had rebelled against their father and then found their way back again. But I've also heard it preached where that, you know, each and every one of us come to a point in our lives. We all begin. We all begin with the same Creator and I believe with all of my heart that those babies, those infants, those children that have left this world prior to becoming accountable for their own sins, they're safe in the arms of Jesus. But you know, there comes a point in a time in each of our lives when we know right from wrong. We must make a choice 
ourselves. Some choose to follow the Lord. Some choose to go the way of the world and find their ways back. You say, well, how can the same passage speak to both? Well, first of all, keep in mind that sin, whether it's in the life of a lost person or in the life of a Christian, must be dealt with the same way. We find that if we look, in fact, this chapter, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking, he gives us three parables, one right after the other. The first one he tells us about there in verses 3 to 7, they're really about a lost sheep. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that one which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, what's that next word in your Bibles? Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. We find that as we keep that in mind, Jesus has just got through telling him that story, the importance of that one that's gone astray, that one that's lost that needs to be found. Rejoice because that one has been found. In verses 8 to 10, he tells another parable, and this one is about the lost silver. He says, Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner." that repenteth. You see, again, we find the Lord Jesus giving us this earthly illustration of when we lose something of value, that it's just our natural instinct to look for it, to search for it, and when we find it, we want to tell everybody about it, and we want to rejoice because we found that which was lost. Now keep in mind, that it's immediately following those two, that then we read the parable of the lost son. And of course, we find that most of the time when we look at this passage, we focus upon this prodigal son. We see if we look in verses 11, 16, we see the repercussions of his rebellion. I mean, it was all there for him. And yet he chose. He wanted what was his right now. And he wanted to go into the world and he wanted to enjoy those pleasures. We find that he did that. And he paid the price. We find that there came that point when literally he was there where he would have literally desired. He said he would have feigned. He literally would have desired to eat the leftovers from the swine. That's how desperate that he was. That's where sin had taken him. 
we see is rebellion. But thank God, we see in verses 17 to 19, we see his repentance. We see his repentance. You know, I have never met anybody in my life that was such a strong Christian that they didn't stumble somewhere along the way, that they didn't trip up somewhere along the way. I've never known anyone that could just live continuously on the mountaintop. The truth is, is that many times we try to categorize, and we will see that as we look at the other son, but what I want you to recognize and realize here, this son made his own choice. He chose the pleasures of the world. He found where that sin took him. But we find that he came to a point in his life where he recognized his foolishness. He recognized what his sin was costing him. And so we see the rebellion, the repentance, and praise God, we see the restoration. (laughs) You know what excites me about that most of all is that he had to come to the point that he had to recognize and realize his personal condition. He's going back to his father with his head hung low. He doesn't deserve anything. He's, he's disgraced his father. But what's exciting is that before he can ever make that move to get to the father to tell him about that, the father sees him. And the Father's coming to him, and the Father's there with outstretched arms. He's been wanting him the whole time. I assure you this evening, wherever you are, whatever the depths that you might have gone to, whatever sin may have a hold of you in your life, I assure you that God is waiting with outstretched arms. He is waiting, and just as he did with this one, We find that the first reaction when this one returned, just like the rejoicing that took place when that one sheep was found, the rejoicing that took place when that valuable piece of silver was found, here this son. The Bible says that there was great rejoicing that took place. Why? Because this one was dead, but now he's alive. This one, really, you know, I guess both of us, we, we all know what physical death means. But there are many dead people walking around today that though their flesh is flowing and though that they maybe are physically still functioning to some degree, spiritually, they are dead. He was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost, and he's found. Boy, Come on, put the best robe on him. Put a, put a ring on his finger. Bring forth the fatted cow. We're going to rejoice, praise God, because this son that was away has returned. And as I read that, I knew the many conversations and the many talks that Andrew and I had had. I knew that as a young man at 18 years old that he had given his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked this round and round so many times because as he shared with you, there were doubts and there was confusion But thank God he had a desire in his heart that before he moved forward, he wanted that thing sealed. He wanted to know with absolute certainty that he had been saved, that he truly was on his way to heaven. 
we find that, you see, Andrew had been in the wilderness. <laughs> Andrew had been that one sheep that had gone astray, that valuable coin that had been lost and was found, that son that had rebelled. But just as the son in this story, he came to a point that he recognized his condition, and oh, was he miserable. Oh, was he miserable. You know, I, I know people think that it's cruel sometimes. Have you ever prayed for God to bless somebody? Yes. How many of you have prayed for somebody's misery? <laughs> yes, you should sometimes. <laughs> I have. I've prayed God whatever it takes, whatever it takes in their life. And the truth is, is that many times that's what we all need, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. We find that the truth is, as we see this and we see all of this reason for rejoicing, that there's something else here that many times is not focused on as much. And that's the other son. You see, I believe that what Jesus is showing us here is that this other son, I believe he's really comparing him to what in his day would have been known as the Pharisees, the religious crowd. You see, as soon as he came back and he heard all of this rejoicing and celebration over what was going on, what was his natural reaction? Anger. Verse 28, and he was angry, the Bible says, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. We find that he got back, and his first reaction was to get angry because of what was taking place with his brother. Not only do we see anger, but we see genuine arrogance. Notice what he says in verse 29. And the answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. He's jealous. He's bragging about his goodness. All these years I've been so good. All these years I haven't broken your commandments. I've faithfully served you. I've done all these things. You didn't do that for me. Where's the celebration for me? Isn't that so often the natural response of our old selfish flesh? What about me? What about me? You see, he had faithfully worked. He had faithfully served. But I'm not so sure that he had a very faithful relationship. Anger. Arrogance. And the third, I had to start with an A, but I don't believe I stretched it very far. Argumentative. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. You got this wrong, Dad. Look at what he's done. Look at the life that he's lived. He's wasted all of this. You know, so many times as Christians, we find that here's somebody that, that served God faithfully for years and years and years. They've been right there, everything that God wanted. And yet then here's somebody else. Here's somebody else that they knew God, but they've wasted years. I mean, he said, for goodness sakes, he spent that which you blessed him with on the harlots, on the prostitutes. Look at what he's done. And yet you celebrate because that he's there? That's not right. 
And if Christians aren't careful, they'll get that same idea in their hearts. Now, I've been faithfully serving in this church for, for 20 years. Here's somebody who got saved 15 years ago. We haven't seen him in the last 10, and now he's back wanting to serve God, and we're all happy and rejoicing about it. Yes, we ought to be happy and rejoicing about it. If anything is to be accomplished in your life, in my life, in this church, in your church, wherever it might be, it's going to be God that's doing it. None of us deserve God working in our lives. Let us not have the same attitude, oh, look what I've done. Quit feeling sorry for ourselves. Have you ever had your children do something? How many of you have got children? How many of your children are angels? They never, never, never do anything wrong. <laughs> I saw Brian almost put his up there. <laughs> have you ever had those times when, when your children were really naughty? Husbands, you were talking to your wife or wife, you were talking to your husbands. You tend to your child. No longer our, your son, your daughter. <laughs> You know, we make light of it, but that's exactly what this one was doing here. We find that in verse 30, he says, But as soon as this thy, thy son, as soon as your son, he, he didn't say my brother, as <laughs> soon as your son, and we find that if we look back in the original, that it was meant with that kind of contempt, your son. As soon as he was there. And, of course, everybody loves looking at the past. <laughs> Devoured thy living with heart. Look what he's done. Look at his sins. Look at his mistakes. Look what he got wrong. Why is it that so many times we're so keen to look at everybody's failings and weaknesses and what they get wrong rather than looking for the goodness and what God's doing in their life and try to help them? I, I give the church a Larry's paraphrase every now and then. Basically, if you allow me to paraphrase in, in Pastor Larry's paraphrase, the Bible says when you're speaking of your brother or your sister, if it's not good, encouraging, and uplifting, keep your mouth shut. Just hush up. If, we, if, if what we're saying isn't something that's encouraging, that's going to build up, it ought not to come from our mouth. And if there's something that needs to be addressed, that's not there's only one person you ought to be addressing it with, and that's the person you got the problem with, not anybody else on the face of the earth. We find that that's this brother's reaction. Here his brothers come back and everybody's so happy about what's going on. What about me? Look at what I've done. But look at what he's done. Look at all his failings. Look at everything. And now you've killed this fatted calf. You're having a party for him. You're celebrating. The truth is, just as the Lord Hold him there. You know, verse 32, it says it was, that next word there says meat in our old King James Bible. Do you know what that word means? It means it was right. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it carries a little bit stronger than just being right, but, but more like being rightfully necessary. This, this is the way it had to be, son. What's, what's wrong? It couldn't be any other way. Of course we're celebrating. It's right for us to celebrate. It's necessary for us to celebrate. Why? We should make merry and be glad. For this our brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This our brother, even that was saved as a teenager, 
He spent so many years in the wilderness. And I'm saying to you here this evening, we need to be glad for him. We need to be rejoicing with him. What God is doing in his life. Yes, he's admitted himself and he knows. He knows he's going to have some trials. He knows there's going to be some temptations. I'll get it out. He knows there's going to be times when the going might get tough. Actually, it probably might, it will get tough. But he's not alone. He's never alone. You know, we don't always have all the answers. But my word for you this evening, for each and every one of you, oh, it's me, it's right, (laughs) that we rejoice with our brother this evening. We make merry with him. That we be glad with him for what God's doing in his life. Because he's been in the wilderness and he's found his way home. He's been out there. Let's not have the attitude. You see, if you're here this evening, and I, I, I can't do anything except say to you that if you don't know, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ yourself, if you don't have that certainty, I don't care what you've been, where you've been, how religious, what you've done, what you haven't done, if you don't have that certainty in your life, then may I say to you very plainly, it is a pretty foolish thing for you to walk through those doors and leave this building tonight without trying to get that resolved. Our Lord has outstretched arms. God has each and every one of us here tonight for a reason. The truth is, maybe your reason for being here is to rejoice with our brother for what God has already done in his life. But there may be somebody here this evening. You may be one of the lost ones that needs to be found. One of those that are dead that needs to be alive. We'd like to rejoice with you too. You know, none of us, there was only one person that could make that turnaround, Brother Brian, in, in the prodigal's life. He had to see himself where he was. He was the one that had to turn around. He turned around. He turned his back on that world, and he turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when he made the turn, the Lord was already coming to him. (laughs) He was there. This evening, maybe, maybe that's what you need in your life. Maybe here this evening, maybe you have been saved. Maybe you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But maybe you've got the older brother syndrome. The elder son syndrome. The truth is, is that he was just angry. Arrogant, proud feeling for himself. Arguing with everything that God was doing. (laughs) Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Look at this. What's wrong with you? Remember this. Remember that. Maybe you're there this evening. You know, it's interesting that we get to the end of that story. We know what happened to the sheep that was lost. We know what happened to the coin that was lost. We know what happened to the prodigal son, but we have no idea what happened to the other brother. We have no idea. And you know, I think maybe God left it that way for a reason. Because there's only one person that can write the end of your story. God has done all the work, but only you, only you, can turn from your sin, can turn from the world, 
and turn to Jesus Christ. And everybody here this evening, we fit in this story somewhere, some way, somehow. We can either rejoice because of what God has done for us, what God has done for our brother, or maybe we need to look as the prodigal did. There will be rejoicing in heaven if you turn your heart to him. So, Andrew, I want to thank the Lord for, for you this evening. I want to thank the Lord for the realization that you came to a point where just being saved wasn't enough. Playing church wasn't enough. And you know, people can be in good churches and bad churches, and people can play churches in all kinds of places. The truth was he had played around with this religion thing a long time. But he came to a point when he said, that's not what I want with my life anymore. It's not often that I've had the privilege of baptizing someone that has been saved for, <laughs> what, now 20 years or something. <laughs> but you see, God never gave up on him. God still loved him all of that time. And I thank God that Andrew came to a point that here this evening, he wants to proudly before each and every one of you, he wants to say, I've decided to follow Jesus. <laughs> I've decided to follow him. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. <laughs> Even if nobody else goes with me, there's no turning back. I'm going with the Lord.